I've always wanted someone to falsely congratulate me, even if they didn't mean it. Like we all thought Chris was crazy, but in the end, it turns out he was right. <laughs> I'm just like, nope. I'm still still crazy. We're still doing a podcast about Exosquad. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Exosquad Goals, the Exosquadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy, and I'm Chris Ferentino. And on this podcast, we talk about Exosquad, as you might be able to tell from the name. Uh, on this episode, we are talking about season two, episode two, The Embassy. It's written by Michael Edens and Robert Forward, the same guy who wrote season one, episode twelve, Betrayal. And I think you'll find a lot of uh, a lot of similar themes between those two episodes, you know, or between that episode and this one, I should say. But uh, you know, we sort of got into his background before, but it's uh, it's interesting to see an episode about sort of intrigue, a little more intrigue-heavy episode written by the same guy as before. Sort of cutting to Chase, what do you guys think of this one? Did you like it, or how did you feel about it? Um, I I think it's not quite as strong as the previous episode. Um, that being said, the pirate stuff is so <laughs> sweet, it, like, doesn't really matter. It's totally sick. It's just not quite as sick as episode one. Yeah, I think whoever said it was more cartoon-like, I definitely feel that. I don't mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, like, this definitely feels like 18 minutes out of um, 10 hours, more so than season one did, which felt every episode felt like it was an hour-long drama. There was definitely a... Um, a po- there's a lot of setup in this episode, but once it gets rolling, it gets, like, it gets really good, and it kind of hits you with some really interesting plot development almost out of nowhere there's some good action isn't isn't, torres hit someone with her laser sword which i'm always a fan of oh hells yeah well we'll get into like sort of what happened in the episode in a minute but yeah there's some awesome action including an amazing delion fight scene where uh just completely wrecks these two pirates it's all that practice that Um, (laughs) paid off all those sweet moves man check those moves bronski he's a cold-blooded killer really quick let's just sort of do the uh the elevator pitch of this episode i guess um you feel you feeling up to it, Chris? Or I think we should we need to share it because I just end up talking forever. So uh, yeah, that's the worst yeah. part. So uh, <laughs> so JT and Dalian are going to the pirate clans to negotiate a to negotiate an alliance against the Neo Sapiens. And meanwhile, Typhonus has his fleet in the outer rim, uh, hunting for the Exo fleet. And they're trying to figure out a way to get past the graph shield. And Lieutenant Barca, one of the pirates, is working for is working for Phaeton to sabotage the impending alliance. They get picked up. Uh, they get JT and Dalian get picked up by the pirates. Uh, and Simbaka has offered them protection. So like, even though they've killed thousands of pirates, uh, no one can touch them. But unless the, there's an accident. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. yeah. Then they meet a group of pirates, and they're like. What if he has an accident and Jubail, the pirate that's escorting him, is like, no, I probably shouldn't do it. But yeah, what if there is an accident and just lets these pirates, like, fight him? But of course, Dalion and Marsh are just, like, total badasses and beat the shit out of the pirates. And because they're, like, a warrior society, they, like, respect them. The Exo fleet is not welcome amongst my people. Only Simbaka's promise to keep you safe stops them from tearing you limb from limb. You may leave now, Jubile. We know how to deal with this trash. Simbaka has made me responsible for getting these Exo fleet vermin to him in one piece. You are not responsible if they have a little accident now, are you? Jubile, we are ambassadors. Why are they threatening us? He is right. 
I cannot help it if you happen to have an accident. They're basically attacked by like roided up Peter Siegel and like <laughs> slightly shaved Kevin Nash. And <laughs> there's like literally a part where it goes like into almost anime like animation and freaking Deleon does like a duck punch kick and like dudes go flying. JT Marsh, literally a guy does a flying kick. Marsh grabs his foot, kind of cushions him and just launches him. It's so amazing. Um, yeah, it was like the sub-level of a video game where like the animation changes. Yeah, it's like you do a special move and it like triggers a little canned animation that's super sweet. Yeah, so they, they like mess up those dudes and they go sort of into like the big like pirate meeting. Um, also, I just want to say when Bar- whenever Barca or like Typhonis talk to Phaeton, they do it on like a little like Nintendo Switch thing. Because Phaeton's been like burnt up, he has like this lumpy head. So it's like his lumpy floating head is on this like frying pan and it's like my favorite thing in the episode because he's like just don't mess this up Typhonus he's like sure thing floating head bumpy Phaeton the pirates must not join with the exofleet do whatever it takes to stop Marsh my pleasure Phaeton the engine room is a restricted area it is off limits to anyone without proper authorizations Lieutenant Barker I did not recognize you in the darkness. You interrupted my inspection of the photon accelerator and the cloaking shield. Is there a problem with the cloaking shield? No problem. The cloaking shield is working perfectly. But they go into like this big pirate meeting and like Simbok is like, yes, we must work with the exofleet and then the uh <laughs> that was sexy keep doing that voice yeah. oh yes well that's that's my simbaka and my bark is like no simbaka we can't work with the exo fleet <laughs> you're so good that, that dude that sounds like barka it sounds so good <laughs> but you know i i mentioned this i mentioned this to ryan like we were talking i love that every time barka is just like no we can't do that we have to work with the neo sapiens <laughs> it always gets defeated by the pirates like inherent desire to get killed so they're like, no, only a only a coward wouldn't seek revenge. And he's like, no, no, trust me, this is a good idea. And then they just are like, no, let's go, no, let's go get killed. The pirates, like, despite their uh, absurdly like Central Americanness, they seem to have like a Norse like warrior society because like they respect. They really seem to be into like like dying like a warrior's death and like like living and dying as a warrior. Because like once they beat up the other pirates, they like are respect of them. Um, and also they all, one of my favorite things in science fiction is like groups of people, like a, like a massive jury in like a circle shouting, like, yeah. which like, like next generation does it really good. Um, it's in a bunch of D space nine episodes. Uh, they definitely do it in Babylon five and like, yeah, just like a room of dudes, just like shouting is always rad in science fiction. Yeah. Anytime they have a circle, like in battle tech, they call it like the circle of equals. It's like, doesn't matter if it's like you know the president or a janitor not that janitors are bad but whatever it's like as, as long as you're fighting in that circle you're equals and whoever wins wins so like Simbaka chooses JT Marsh to be his like champion and Barca chooses uh Jubail right yeah and they you know they fight they choose weapons and in a great moment Jubail's like half staff and Marsh is good like can, can I use my e-frame and they're like you know but the, de- but the delivery like, of that line is amazing like yeah. the way he says it is just like is amazingly funny and then Tsubaka goes I never thought you would be one for jokes choose your weapon quarter staff can I choose my e-frame I would have expected less levity from the one I chose as my champion not funny Marsh 
Yeah, my champion should not be making jokes. <laughs> Levity, this is not the time for. Dude, your Subaka is awesome. Um, it's the best. It's it's the most fun. This is why I'm so happy the pirates are here because it's more excuses to do really silly voices. But we also in this sequence we also get the pirate backstory. Yeah, yeah, which is heavy. Which is very cool. Which I didn't know. I thought Simbaka just uh, planted his seed all throughout the galaxy. I'm 23, <laughs> and I'm going to go impregnate the outer rim. <laughs> I applied for space college, but ended up working at the party depot. <laughs> I robbed a truck of pirate uniforms, and there I formed a clan with the man from the loading docks. <laughs> no, but you know, it's like it's really cool because they actually cool. they talk about <laughs> they uh, they talk about how like they were like convict labor and they were going to get their freedom, but then they figured out how to make Neo Sapiens, so they're like forget those crazy far off mines on Tethys. These Mars mines are now open, and basically they just like the like Terran Alliance or the Earth fleet just pieced out. And left them to die, and then they basically had to rob incredibly awesome look. Basically, they robbed the ship from Wally to survive. Yeah, they shot. They robbed like a sex cruise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they robbed like a porno. Everyone's like in bathing suits on this cruise in space. This space sex cruise. Yeah, which come in this fall, Chris's space sex cruises. <laughs> Take that, Elon Musk. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's interesting because it ties together like it sort of perpetuates that like cyclical nature of it, right? Like humans fought the pirates, then the humans fought the Neo Sapiens, then the Neo humans fought the pirates again. Now they're fighting the Neo Sapiens. Now the pirates are going to fight the Neo Sapiens, and like it's because they're all like humans are always trying to find like a new source of labor, and it always winds up like perpetuating the cycle of violence. There's a cycle of oppression that they create. It's like Instead of, you know, say having highly paid skilled labor working on this incredibly dangerous place, like, you know, in the like the right way, they're like, hey, let's send some prisoners there. And then when they're like, oh, the prisoners aren't like, you know, it makes me wonder, like, is this society like ultra capitalistic or like what the setup it, is? Because yeah, it like, must have been like cheaper to invent a race of slaves than to keep having prisoners do your work. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's like totally crazy. But, you know, I love that they say, like, you know, the rich mines of Mars were open for business. And they're like, you know, and that's why they're left to die is because it's more profitable yeah. to use basically invented slave labor to, you know, mine these things and not, you know, have to offer them anything or feed them, I guess. More, you know, I guess flying out to Tethys is a pain in the butt. But like, it's not a great portrait of humanity. Yeah, no, seriously. But also uh, not inaccurate. No. Well, that's what's so interesting about it. So, like, the first thing we hear in the show ever is, like, it was a, it's like the 1950s, right? It was a golden age of mankind, if you forget about the slavery and the imprisoning and the, the labor camps in, in deep space. Like, you, like, it's this, you know, the setup is that it, everything was perfect, and then the Neo-Sapiens had to go ruin it. But I think as the show goes on, you realize, no, it really... It really wasn't perfect. Or if it was perfect, it was all built on a lie. And that's one of the kind of things is that you don't realize it at the time. But uh, pour one out from a man, Charles McKenna. Um, <laughs> he's he's actually like an unreliable narrator. So they're setting you up with like sort of the, uh, the propaganda version of, you know, how it all is. And then, you know, it's something you sort of realize now, like you said, that because they're presenting this like, you know, it's the golden era for mankind. And everyone's like, fuck that guy. You know, you're like, oh, wow, 
Why would you say that? Then you realize, oh, everyone's right. It kind of sucks. Yeah. History is written by the winners. Yeah. Yeah. Or Charles McKenna. <laughs> and Charles McKenna. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it, it poses an interesting moral problem though, right? Because like Able Squad are like good guys. Like they're really cool people. And like the society seems to need like a lot of really cheap labor. And it's like not willing to accept responsibility for the for the populace. Well, it's interesting to be like to be able squad, right? And like you're in the middle of a war that you didn't create or start and have like really no control over influence of it. And it's morally questionable, but they're still shooting at you. And you have to shoot back. So they're just it's a it's it's really interesting that it's you know, we're seeing the guys doing the fighting, not the people who like <laughs> kind of set all this in motion. That's like- that's a really good point. I had a friend who was, he was a bit older and uh, he's a bartender. Mike, if you're listening, this one's for you. Um, he told me a story about being a Marine in, I think, the 80s. And I forget where he was deployed. It might have been like Lebanon or something like that. Um, but they were like getting shot at from far away. So it was more annoying than anything. And he's like, we're like, well, what were you thinking? He's like, all I could think of was like, what the fuck did I do to these guys? And my mom is going to be so pissed at me if I get shot. So like that that's that's the able squad thing right there. You know, they're kind of just they're kind of having to react, you know? They're not autonomous in a lot of ways, which is kind of a crazy thing to cope with. It's like the point of view of the soldier, right? Is like you're not it's it's not your fault, but you're the one who's got to go out and do all the killing on behalf of the you know, the old man who put you in this position. You know, they sort of always reference basically that, like, if the pirates don't eventually help out or, you know, what would Winfield say when he sent them off? It's like, if this fails, well, we're boned. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, to sort of polish off the uh, the recap there, they they have the circle of equals thing. Marsh doesn't kill Jubail, even though he kicks his ass in like two seconds. And Simbaka's like, no, kill him. It's our way. And he's like, uh, your way's dumb, dude. Finish him. He's already beaten it is our way but it doesn't prove anything winning doesn't make me right you have to decide the future of the pirate clans then we won't join the exo fleet you're too soft to win the war then we'll just have to find a way to win this war without you then the neo sapiens show up and they're like oh shit everything's fucked now but oh no i was gonna say simbaka because he won't kill him simbaka's like you're too weak we won't join you yeah and ironically, Typhon is showing up kind of, you know, delays the conversation a bit, which is kind of cool. You know, Typhonus is like the bumbling general in a lot of ways. He just cannot do anything right. He's like the Captain Marcus of the Neo Sapiens. Like he definitely <laughs> thinks he thinks he's like a genius commander, but he's constantly just like, but Phaeton, why is everything broken? And Phaeton's like, because you're an idiot, Typhonus. Like he's always having to like bail him out. Yeah, he literally says to him, it's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to leave half your fleet there and then you're going to take the other half and go to the pirates and he's like oh okay he's he's really dumb um and arrogant that's why he's like a really good like heel he's Um, such a good he's such a good like general like figure yeah especially like well we'll get to some stuff later in another episode but i want to touch on really quick they cut back to the exo fleet and uh or what's left of it and they're having the uh the conference between all the resistance leaders and our our boy uh what's his name tyree tyree oh yeah yeah right. he's continuing his uh yeah right proper that's english god i 
He's Australian, isn't he? Australian is a kangaroo on the Bobby. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's like bad mouthing everyone, and Napier's like, dude, like, we got to work together or we're like fucked. And then he goes off to get drunk with the extra amino acid shot. And Winfield finds him. He's like, yeah, people listen to you. And guess what? You're going to be the head of Earth. So deal with it. We know what has to be done on our own planets. Hit the safes hard at every opportunity. I lost a lot of good people before I realized I couldn't do it all by myself. We've been fighting this war for two years. Are any of you even one step closer to freeing your homes than you were in the beginning? We can't beat them alone. One more. Make it heavy on the amino acids. Napier? How'd you know where to find me? I read your old Exofleet file. So what's the verdict? We talked after you left, Sean. And we've decided to make you commander of all Earth resistance. So they're sort of setting up kind of... They're realigning all the cards a little bit. I guess dominoes might be a better word to say there. But... Yeah, what do you guys think of Napier getting like getting the rub, getting the big push by uh, Winfield? He's grown up a lot. Yeah, I uh, I like his I like his journey a lot. Like going from having such a distrust of authority that he can't stay in the Exo Fleet to being like the leader of the Resistance. Like his journey to becoming like that guy is like really interesting to watch. I do feel like we missed a little bit of the moment when he changes, or I missed it. <laughs> Because I was drunk. Because <laughs> they skip over that year, and then he goes from being like, like hates Marcella to being like, hey, what's up, Marcella? Like, what's going on, man? So, yeah, that does change. That's a good Yeah, I would have yeah, liked I mean, to see I... that moment where he's just like, you know, the push in and the eyes open, and he sees that Neo Sapiens are people too. He has a really uncomfortable dream about extra thumbs, and suddenly he realizes what he's felt all along. Speaking of extra thumbs, have you noticed the Neo Sapiens wear like Vibram forefingers shoes? Uh, you know, like the, you know the running shoes that are just the toes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they don't, like they don't wear reg- like regular, just closed shoes. I find that funny. Uh, I've always thought of that like. And this is my own weird, like, headcanon, for lack of a better term. They, uh, I always thought they were wearing basically the equivalent of, like, work footy pajamas. Because it's like, <laughs> they were bred to be workers. So it's like, you know, maybe they're, I mean, they're super strong. So it's like, maybe they are just, they have better traction with their weird hand feet or something. I don't know. Their, like, fashion and aesthetic, like, emphasizes their alienness. Like... Culturally, like the new Neo Sapien order seems to go out of its way to look non-human. Like they don't, they emphasize like they're not humanness. That's, I think that's a, good, a really good point because um, this is something we should talk about more as we go on. But um, Michael Eads did post the question in an email. Like the show is asking what it means to be human, um, and I think as you see the Neo Sapiens like diverging more and more away from humanity i think it sort of goes back to that question well that's why i also thought was really interesting whenever you see a like a backstage neo sapien like whenever you see like truck driver neo sapien we talked about it a little bit or like mechanic neo sapien just say stentor like... just say just say stentor. i am your announcer stentor <laughs> when you see stentor in his like sweet sweet suit with his like awesome mic um no but like well, I mean, he's front stage. He's literally front and center. That's true. That's true. Um, prime time. But yeah, when you see the guys who are kind of like not the ones that are meant to be seen by like the humans and in public, they're really kind of just dressed like, you know, humans. 
you know, like the mechanics kind of have a backwards cap and like jeans on and the truck driver is just kind of, you know, wearing like a jumpsuit. So it's, it's really it's interesting like, that like... Yeah, it's like 80s Brooklyn. They're just really, they're <laughs> like tank tops. And they have like... <laughs> yeah, rolled up space cigarettes. Uh, um, bandanas in their pockets. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's 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 like House of Phaeton. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All I could think of was like Andrew Dice Clay as like a Neo Sapien, like, hey, boom, Phaeton, what's going on over here? You know, like one of those sorts of Paris is burning. Yeah. <laughs> Little Miss Phaeton sat on Olympus. I don't know. But it's interesting, like the the public face is so alien and sort of meant to be alien. But that like backstage stuff is like very utilitarian just like whatever so actually oh, one thing we forgot to mention Nara and Maggie are like in a scout ship and they get separated from the base by the Neo Sapiens and Winfield goes on a public channel or a non-coded channel and basically says turn on the graph shield and all the Neos take off because they're freaked out by it even though it's not working um, but Takagi notably goes like holy shit Maggie's up there all E-frame squads red alert scout ship under attack scramble Oh yes, yes, yes. He still got his torch for uh, for the older ladies. Wow. Or, but yeah, and that's when Torres uses her awesome space sword and yeah demolishes the EOCPD thing, which is sweet. It's the best thing ever. Do you guys have an MVP for this episode? Or do you feel it's too soon to to decide? Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to my man Barca. Uh, his scenery chewing is, is unreal. Like, unreal good. He does some really good, like, weaseling this episode. Like, <laughs> some really solid, like, like worm-tooth-style weaseling. And I, I, pl- I applaud it. This is an interesting one. I'm probably going to give it to... You know who I'm going to give it to? I don't think I've ever given it to this person. Give it to <laughs> JT Marsh. He wins two hand-to-hand combat fights. Um, yeah, seriously. In... in against warrior pirates so uh i think i'm giving it to marsh i i think i have to give it to barca just because um like ryan said the pirates may starve sometimes but barca's always full because he chews that scenery and it's just he's so over the top and evil and all the pirates are so dumb they're just so dumb are there any lady pirates are they just there are there were some in the uh when they come into the uh pirate base there's almost like uh fresh meat in a jail shot where all the pirates are yelling through glass and there's some great walla in there and it's awesome but uh but yeah there are a couple of lady pirates and there's that lady pirate who got sucked into space back in episode like three yeah so. we've, o- we've only se- we've only seen the like uh <laughs> I like I'm sorry we've only, we've, only seen, we've only ever seen the pirate fleet so yeah. like only ever seen like the we haven't seen like the other parts of pirate culture until that like fresh meat part fair yeah, enough no, de- no definitely the uh but yeah man so we got two barkas and uh and one jt marsh there huh and a, and a mash yeah yeah uh, can i get a uh, two barkas and a marsh we can mash yes yeah. <laughs> he also he also sounds like an igor in like a frankenstein movie and like no one is like bothered by that at all like yeah see him back it's very <laughs> it's very um what's his face um peter oh peter peter laurie peter laurie yeah it's very yeah peter yeah 
Like, like he might as well be like twirling his mustache, like where he's like pitching stuff to Phaeton. You're like, this guy is obviously like, obviously like a like no one here is a spy, Simbaka. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love too that they have Hollis, who's like the the most like smooth faced, like you know, he's he's the sexy boy of the fleet there, and like you know, and and Bark is just like, no, nothing, nothing's going on here, Hollis. And he's like, oh, okay. I, I believe you. And he's like, really? You know, it's just like, it's so easy for him because everyone's just like smooth-brained and not really <laughs> <laughs> with it. Um, well, guys, like, do you guys have anything you uh, you want to plug before we cast off to the outer reaches of Tethys? Um, continue to go to Two Loopy Ladies <laughs> on Etsy. Um, short plug. Short plug today, guys. Yeah. And I, I just want to say really quickly, since we're plugging stuff... Look at that transition action. Oh. Yeah, nailed it. Um, we added two new sections, or one newer section, section I should say, to the website. Um, we have the Exofleet Exchange on our site, which is basically, if we talk about something that we recommend or say is interesting, I will post a link to it there. If you click on it, it'll take you to Amazon. You can rent it, watch it, whatever. But it kicks a little bit back to us. So it's a nice way to uh, help us support the podcast, you know, 10 cents at a time. So uh, check that out. And uh, also we've added a Patreon page where we have different uh, different levels of support. And you can find a link to that on the website as well. And you can do things like request an episode for or a topic for us to cover or watch a cartoon or just, you know, all sorts of things. It's all right there. So take a look. And it just helps us cover the cost of like maintaining a website, having microphones that work. And think about we can all get Echo if you support yeah. us. I don't have an echo button. I need one. You're clear that is? <laughs> There's no ghost in that microphone at all. Yeah. <laughs> or some sort of ghost in a machine. Do you guys have it? Again, we keep talking about it, but something to recommend here. Like, watching this, The Expanse makes so much, you know, it. you realize how much they're kind of copying from ExoSquad. Uh, just very similar feels and themes. Um yeah, do you guys have anything to recommend really quick? I'm watching The West Wing. I recommend that. That's a great show. That's all I got. That's all I'm watching. Oh, The Leftovers. Do you guys watch The Leftovers? Uh, I, I've heard it's awesome. I've seen uh, the f- most of the first season, but I need se- to catch up. Season season two and three are, like, brilliant. You've got to watch the second and third season. It's, I hate saying, like, stick with it till season seven, but, like, the, the later seasons... There's only three, so it's two seasons two and three. Watch them; there, you will not. If you just want to like be ruined, but in a loving way, <laughs> like it's it's a great show. Ridden hard and put away wet. It's um, it's just very inventive and nice. thought, and thoughtful. Um, if you have stars, American Gods is really sweet. I um, hear good things. I hear really good things. Yeah, I uh, so far it's been excellent. So yeah, try. Uh, it's totally related to Exo Squad, but it's still right, pretty rad. <laughs> okay guys well i think we are going to let's we're going to forego the awesome thing for this week but we will we will bring it back soon i just before we go i just want to say if you haven't listened to our michael edens interview please do and um thank you again to him for his graciousness and uh taking the time to talk with us yeah no seriously um being willing to talk to us goofs and like answer our our questions and be really thoughtful and like go into some awesome stuff we we really appreciate it and it's a great listen check it out and you know we hope to get more people on going forward so i would like to thank 
Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. His stuff is excellent. Find him on YouTube. His stuff totally shreds and is amazing. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at ExosquadGoals. Use the hashtag ExosquadGoals to reach out to us. We love to hear from you guys. You can email us at ExosquadGoals at gmail.com. You know, we respond to emails very quickly and promptly. Same difference. Like, rate, subscribe, share. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, all sorts of places. And, you know, a review really helps us, gets that algorithm going. We have a couple of reviews and we could always use use a few more. And five stars is the exact right amount of stars to give us because we deserve it. But for Exo Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Harnady. And I'm Chris Farentino. Uh, we got any heroes in this company? No. No, sir. I, I kind of lost Ryan on the end there, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. See you guys next Saturday with See you, buddy. Pirates Ransom, Episode 3. Bye. 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 Oh, by the way, just as a heads up, I set up a Patreon, so I don't know if that'll ever do anything. Okay, if we can make 20 bucks off this. Just say we can't do season three without it. We should do commentary on fictional episodes, like the season three, like, that they never did. Yeah. We should just start talking about our own vision of the show. Or like like fan fiction. It would actually get a... um this kid who wrote a review for a fake episode of the show Street Sharks. There was like a female character that he made up. For a long time, there was like an IMDb entry for this character based on his like weird description and like all this like people writing about the series. And it's like, it was really progressive that they had a female Street Shark and it was just something he made up when he was like 12. I, uh, I found a review of Lord of the Rings I wrote when I was like 12. It's not as influential, but it's still really bad. <laughs> <laughs>